0: Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. The nation's vaccination campaign is expanding to children as young as six months old. Some locations are opening vaccinations for the youngest among us beginning this week. This following the FDA's authorization and CDC's recommendation. The Biden administration had pre-ordered millions of doses and is encouraging parents to get their kids vaccinated. About 18 million children under five would be eligible. For children in the U.S. aged 5 to 11, less than a third are fully vaccinated since the option became available last November. White House COVID-19 coordinator Dr. Ashish Jha appeared on CBS earlier today where he stated that the vaccines that were recently approved for children under five are safe and effective. He urged parents to have their children vaccinated. Here to discuss is chief medical officer at the Convention of States, Dr. Jeffrey Barkey. Dr. Jeffrey Barkey, thank you so much for joining us.
1: My pleasure. Appreciate you having me.
0: Dr. Barkey, I wanna get your reaction to comments uh, White House COVID-19 coordinator, Dr. Ashish Jha made. Uh, here's what he
1: said. "Is you know These vaccines have been thoroughly tested. Uh, millions of children uh, above the age of five have gotten these vaccines. They're exceedingly safe. And we expect
0: confidence in these vaccines to build over time in this population. W- what's your reaction to these comments?
1: Well, listen, that's simply not true. Uh, I'm not anti-vax, but I think it's important that we tell the truth first, and then let parents and adults make informed decisions about whether or not to get vaccinated or not. And the problem with authorizing this vaccine. So remember, the FDA uh, approves the product, the vaccine. Then the CDC decides who's going to, who it, who it's going to recommend it for. And to recommend this product to six-month-olds makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. So to start with, there is no COVID emergency, especially as it relates to younger people. It simply doesn't exist. Not my opinion. You go to the CDC's own website, and do this by the way, don't believe me, do your own research. Type in CDC COVID death by age, and you'll see, and I did this this morning, just over a thousand deaths of people less than 18 years old that's over over a two-year period. So while every death, of course, is tragic, the reality is every one of those deaths occurred in a child that had significant underlying comorbidities. Healthy children simply do not die from this illness, so it doesn't make sense to authorize this vaccine under emergency use authorization for kids less than 18, let alone six months of age.
0: Doctor, how common is it to see such a doubling down on the efficacy of any vaccine, that and especially this one for all intents and purposes is still uh, experimental?
1: Well, it is experimental by definition. A product that's being used under emergency use authorization definitionally is investigational. And it makes no sense whatsoever. The EU authorization gives these vaccine companies blanket liability protection. So if you're injured, or your child is injured by one of these vaccines, you have no recourse whatsoever. The other problem is these vaccine studies were done before the emergence of Omicron and its variants. So we don't even know if it'll work against Omicron and its variants. So it just simply doesn't make sense.
0: So we're actually hearing and and seeing and even on a personal level uh, hearing of many folks at relatively young ages who are 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 dying of undetected heart conditions. Relatively unusual to hear, you know, people in your in your immediate circle, uh, two or three people, uh, 40, 50 years old. Is there any way to know if these conditions may have been related to the vaccine? I mean, is there any process or. coordination and in terms of finding out if some of these unexpected deaths could be attributed how will we ever know
1: well of course there's a way to know and that's what the cdc should be doing you may remember a few years back there was an outbreak of measles at disneyland and the cdc and the national institutes of health sent teams of researchers out to investigate they should be doing the same with these adult so-called, you know, we're familiar with SIDS, Sudden Infant Death Syndrome, but now there's a new one, SADS, S-A-D-S, Sudden Adult Death Syndrome. We've never seen this before, and a full and thorough investigation should be undertaken. It's ridiculous what's going on here, and, you know, the part that makes me the saddest is uh, the FDA and the CDC already have trust issues amongst the American public. And for them now to authorize and recommend that a six-month-old receive a COVID-19 vaccine when they're not at risk, and there have been no long-term safety studies with these products, is going to erode whatever little trust is left in these organizations, and that's not a good thing.
0: Dr. Jeffrey Barkey, thank you for joining
1: us. Thanks for having me, appreciate it.
0: United Nations Human Rights Chief Michelle Bachelet recently announced that she will not be seeking a second term. That's after her controversial trip to China. Bachelet drew backlash for downplaying China's human rights abuses while criticizing the United States for its likely decision overturning Roe v. Wade. Rebecca Ose from the Center for Family and Human Rights joins us to break it down. Rebecca Ose, thank you so much for joining us on the Capitol Report.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Rebecca, last week a top human rights official at the U.N. bashed the U.S. uh, over the abortion debate while at the same time uh, praising China. Uh, What do you make of this?
2: Well, the the person in question is the U.N.'s High Commissioner for Human Rights, uh, Michelle Bachelet, who used to be president of Chile before this. And she was giving an address to the Human Rights Council, um, you know, sort of an update on global human rights. And in that speech, she praised uh, some countries in Latin America, you know, like Argentina, Colombia and Mexico for liberalizing their abortion laws recently, uh, while also taking aim at the U.S. uh, with, of course, the pending Supreme Court decision and and expressing her hopes that the U.S. will not, uh, you know, restrict abortion.
0: And what are your major concerns over widespread liberalized uh, abortion laws?
2: Well, obviously, I have concern for the life of the unborn child in in any situation. Of course, um, governments can do a lot to protect the child in the womb as well as protect um, maternal health and the interests of women. Um, These things are not mutually exclusive, of course. But the bigger issue here as far as the human rights system at the UN is that there is no internationally agreed human right to abortion. And to the extent that there is consensus among nations, it's that the laws on abortion and the protection of the unborn is for countries to determine for themselves and not a matter for an international human rights mechanism. And so the fact that she's weighing in on this issue at all uh, is an expression of her stepping outside of her mandate here.
0: What do you think we can learn from Communist China's uh, long-held one-child policy in relation to their liberal abortion policies?
2: Well, um, as you may have uh, heard, the, uh, the High Commissioner for Human Rights, Michelle Bachelet, recently went on a trip to China and um, has drawn a lot of fire from international human rights groups for basically praising China for its human rights uh, work and, and ignoring or not mentioning some of the rather egregious abuses that have been happening. you know, Of course, there's the, the issue you raised of the one child policy and the, the forced abortions and forced sterilizations that occurred under that regime. But even more recently, we've heard terrible stories about abuses against uh, Uyghur Muslims in China, including, again, forced abortions, forced sterilizations, as well as you know these concentration camps. And, you know, there was concern raised even before her trip to China that she was not going to be shown sort of unfettered access to what's really going on, that a lot of it was going to be very stage managed. And, you know, she, of course, you know, in her remarks afterwards, really failed to call them out for their uh, for the egregious human rights abuses that are happening there. And so that's raised a lot of concern. In fact, she, um, amidst all this, this criticism, she's announced that she's not going to seek another term as the High Commissioner for Human Rights. She claims that this is not you know, related to the, the backlash over China, but of course the timing is, is, is noticeable.
0: So back here at home uh, with the likely decision to overturn Roe versus Wade, um, do you think this will reignite the abortion debate in the, in the days after? Where do you see things uh, going?
2: Well, from an international perspective, of course, the U.S. is very consequential in terms of what we do, um, you know, both in terms of the the aid that we give, you know, and, and of course our contributions to organizations like the United Nations and the World Health Organization. So, of course, what we do is going to set a large example to the world, and it might embolden other countries to double down on their protections for life in the womb, which is what we would hope to see. Um, but, of course, we also have seen that the the debate over abortion around the world is is going to affect us in more immediate ways if the issue goes back to the states. Um, one thing that we've seen and we've been following uh, over the last several years, especially in Latin America, is the rise of this sort of self-induced abortion using pills, um, pills obtained illegally, you know, from various vendors online and and in country. And so we've already seen. The rise of this in the U.S. where there are overseas organizations that are selling abortion pills to women here in the United States. Now, of course, this is not in keeping with our laws and policies, but it nevertheless is happening and we can expect to see more of this uh, depending on how the Supreme Court decides and what state governments do. So this is, of course, a concern.
0: Rebecca Ost, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you very much.
0: A Chinese American is trying to prevent the United States from becoming more like communist China. Joining us, we have Lily Tong-Williams, a New Hampshire resident and candidate for United States Congress. Lily Tong-Williams, thank you so much for joining us on the Capitol Report.
3: Well, thank you for having me, Steve.
0: Lily, you're running for Congress in the state of New Hampshire. Uh, On your webpage, you say you are fighting to prevent the country you love from becoming the country that you left. Uh, Tell us, what do you mean by that?
3: Well, I am a Chinese immigrant. I was born and grew up in communist China when I finally made out and China to come to this country for freedom, prosperity. I thought, you know, the Declaration of Independence and the US Constitution are gonna protect me forever. That's why I came here when I was almost 24 years old. But it took me 20 years to wake up in this country. And I noticed there are lots of uh, um, the trains the things are going on. It's just very, very concerning to me. Lily, can you give us
0: uh, some specific examples of some of these manifestations that you're seeing that, that are kind of reminding you what it was like in communist China?
3: Well, when I was uh, going to schools to teach middle school, high school, and college students and as a speaker for victim of communism and foundation, I noticed our public schools, they do not spend much time to teach real history to our students. And our students actually really are drawn to Bernie Sanders and and his socialist policies. And they, they are drawn to AOC people like and think that the government should offer lots of free stuff. And you know, that's what Mao did. Mao offered free stuff and communism to the peasants in China and under his regime. And of course, the students here don't know that. You know, 40 million people, peasants who supported Mao were starving to death during the mass famine. And then I saw the last two years and the, the division of society, the riots, the looting, and the, the anti-racism social justice movement remind me of Mao's. And then it politics in China, oppressor versus oppressed, and the five red classes and the five black classes. And today you see our American citizens are more divided than ever to fight each other and trying to cancel each other and shut you up. You don't have free speech anymore if you don't agree with us. It's It's kind of terrifying.
0: Lily, what do you say to those who say or think that it could never happen in the United States and that all of this talk about communism in the US is just being alarmist?
3: Well, that the young people always say, we're not communist country, we just want more warfare, we want more free stuff. But the policies that the progressive want to adopt in DC, they are socialist policies. And like Lenin said, the goal of socialism is communism and uh, and but uh, our young people who don't know the history and just don't even know much what happened to us during the Mao's Cultural Revolution. I call today's young people social justice warriors who you know who 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 are brainwashed to advocate for more government, to silence others. they' are like a red guards. I was one of the Red Guards and went through entire school indoctrination under Mao. So I know the terms they use, the tactics, like equity is a communist term. Why are they using equity every day by our corporations and DEI trainings in our schools? Everybody probably use that by elected politicians. And then you see this rise of of authoritarianism. The the government elected officials think they have this super moral Constitutional, they don't have constitutional authority, but they have this authority to rule over us instead of respect our individual rights, liberty to choose. And during the pandemic, you saw them shutting us down. Stay home, close churches, close schools. You must take a vaccine, you must wear a mask. Otherwise you lose your jobs, you get fired. If you say something not political correct like me on Facebook, I go to Facebook jail. I've never thought I would be censored and self-censored in my new country. Um,
0: So would you say that part of the danger of this communist ideology is how hard it is to recognize as it is uh, taking shape?
3: It is hard to recognize by our um, regular American um, people and the students because they have never had the comparison. But uh, to immigrants like me who fled, and... you know, socialist and communist oppressive regimes. We see the writings on the wall. I'm not the only one who is terrified. There are lots of people like me who are terrified who call out. Right now, what's going on in this country is a new Marxist cultural revolution that we saw in Mao's China. Yeah, I mean there are lots some people are silenced because they're afraid to come out publicly. And but I feel it is my duty to warn people. I also try to warn people the China's Communist Party have infiltrated into our country for years and years. They have spies operative here. They threatened me and I, I cannot even go to China to visit my family friend since 2015 because I'm publicly speaking out against them and call out the infiltration and call out the politicians, corporations to deals with them. And they, they don't like that because I'm not corruptible and I'm not silenced. That's why I'm a threat to them.
0: Lily Tong Williams, thank you for joining us.
3: Well, thank you for having me. You have a great day.
0: I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review, as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.